creepy and weird. It's I didn't wiry. say not creepy and weird. The stash yeah. is coming in a little bit, I can see, from over here. You're sitting right under, the, directly under fluorescent lights that gives about half of your mustache a little bit of visibility, but half is in the shadows. Is it bad that I've Googled a few times how to make a beard grow better? <laughs> uh, is it bad? Is that I weird? I don't know. I'd be a little embarrassed. But I mean, well, what, do we, an, not, what do we not Google these days? That's true. So it's, I mean, what in that sense, what, what did you find out? What did Google turn out? Well, it's so ad-ridden. You know, it's like 50 different products come up for, to, to sell <laughs> yeah. you. Huh? Like, you know. You're getting like the, uh, the Beardsman like monthly package. Like Beard that you, oil. Like a, yeah, the, the subscription service. Beard of, like, combs. Yeah. Beard, beard supplements. Yeah, it's, you just need to be like, yeah, not there yet. Beard <laughs> pens. Beard pens? Yeah, where you like kind of. Paint it in a little, like you paint. You like, painted it like an like, eyebrow. No, no, like, like so. This, uh, so I have a lot. There's like not a lot that of hairs we that, know are, needs that are that are not, not dark. You know, so mm-hmm. guys will get a beard pen and make them dark. You are kidding? No, I'm not. How pretentious it. is that? Well, some people really want a, a thick beard. Or oh there's this stuff called. Uh, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's like you spray it into your beard, and it's tiny little hair like fake hair particles and it intertwines with your beard to make it fuller and thicker and <laughs> is that can that happen to a whole face because <laughs> all of a sudden you've given me some ideas I can't even believe there's a market for this oh there's stuff. a huge I can't market. believe it huge our world market. is so strange you can do just about anything to your body cosmetically that you want <laughs> I don't even know how to follow that with <laughs> any response at all. Yeah. I feel like we've, as usual, started off on a <laughs> alienating yeah. Uh, yeah. note here. Mm-hmm. How are you? I'm okay. <laughs> okay. I'm a little tired. A little tired. But who isn't? That is a uh, fairly normal thing, mm-hmm. it would seem, these days. Mm-hmm. Tired from having to uh, contend with a... An internet-free day at seminary. (laughs) Well, just school in general and life. School in general and life. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Providence taking on Hebron this week. My alma mater versus your 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 alma mater mater versus my alma mater. That's right. The 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 giants. My guess is that the juggernauts. My guess is that your alma mater will win. I suspect they will. I well, you're talking about the varsity game. Yes, so my yes. son, of course, he plays on the JV team, uh-huh. and so they play at 4.30 Friday if you want to come. Yes. Want to come will, watch that? You know Providence. I will be there. Excellent. Excellent. You going to stay for the varsity game? As long as your mother's there. <laughs> <laughs> Gingy, I'm sure, will be there. So for all our listeners, uh, if you've ever seen James and his son Daniel watch sports, it's in the blood. Okay. It's in the blood. It's in the blood. We get into it. Because James' mom is quite a super fan. She's a ruckus. Yeah, if you don't know my mom, um, so Ginger was, uh, Ginger's like, how old is she now? 71, I think. Don't put her age Um, out there. No, you would never know it. Like, my mom is, she is an eternal, consummate cheerleader. Yeah, but people don't like that. They uh, just throw their age out. So she grew up in Southern California, head cheerleader, 
in high school, all mm. that, and she has maintained that sort of that. She's that a heckler. Enthusiasm. She's a heckler. She is a heckler. Yeah, it's something to watch. Three generations of hecklers. <laughs> Ginger, James, and Daniel. Daniel. <laughs> Three generations of hecklers. Yeah, and yeah. They'll, they'll all be in attendance on yeah. Friday. If anybody wants to come watch this Clash of Titans. <laughs> uh, Clash of hecklers. The varsity. <laughs> no, not that. I'm talking about the game between our alma maters. Yes. In which mine will hopefully squash yours. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that'll be Friday night, last regular season mm-hmm. game of the year. Yeah. It's kind of like Duke, Carolina. Last, Same last, talent level. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Same intensity, uh, the whole deal. Speaking of uh, talent, I brought you a, a, a mm. special set of dumplings on Saturday. Thank you for that, yes. Yeah, uh, I, I, I uh, was invited to and could not join you to some hip joint, <laughs> uh, a, a hip food court locale where uh, part of which is uh, Goose is located. Your, Goose Dumplings, your the favorite, famous. Your favorite dumpling place. Yes. Um, and one of our uh, weekday worship sponsors. Which many listening to this podcast love them some Goose Dumplings. Yeah. So uh, Caleb brought me some pork dumplings with rice and had those little red pepper flakes, give it a little heat. They did. Like that little sweet heat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was good, man. It was good. I appreciate that. So you're not going to rag you. on... My dumpling tastes. Anymore. Oh, I probably will. I mean, if you frame it as you know my favorite top five or favorite dumpling place or whatever, as if you've frequented so many dumpling places, <laughs> yeah, I will probably how, how mock you places, again. How many places do you have to frequent before you can say legitimately something is your favorite? Yeah, yeah. Like if you've been to one, like how many ribs places do you have to go to to say, <laughs> oh, this is this is the best? Uh, I mean, you got to try ribs at a number of restaurants, I think. But you're before you're, you say you're, that, you're being pretty hardline about this. So I, give us a give us a number. Uh, I mean, I feel like. I mean, minimum half dozen. Half dozen. Okay, yeah. six. Yeah, I think that. Okay, that's fine. Minimum. That's minimum. Yeah, I think you also should probably try ribs in different states. Well, yeah, because you're going to get different from yeah. Texas, Texas, style, St. Louis, St. Louis, Kansas, Memphis. Kansas, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're all different. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should just start a food podcast. Um, like a maybe, guy, guy Ferrari. Maybe thing. we shouldn't, but we should bring food to the podcast recording. So and we should can hear us smack. I don't care. Um, That's disgusting. If we could talk about what it is we're eating, and then uh, you know you can draw away from the mic a little bit. It would replace popping my knuckles on the on the pod, like is like the know. inappropriate I mean, sound. That that sounds like a like a branding thing. We're the guys who eat ribs, but we talk theology. You know, I didn't say it needed to be ribs. It would be something different. We'd mix it up. We would have done dumplings a while ago, probably. No. We don't have the budget for it on the... I think we're we're not bringing to, it up. We'd have to go video. We definitely have to create more ads. We'd have to go video. Video. We need more sponsors. Yeah. Um, and we need a, a set. <laughs> a set? Yes. You want to go video? I don't want to. But you want to bring, you wanna bring that gonna, facial hair? And if we're going to do food, I don't want people to just hear me eating food. That's disgusting. But if they see it while hearing it, you're fine That's with it? That's a little better. You know, like somebody doing a cooking show. Like when they eat what it, it's What do you different. sound like when you eat, by the way? I mean, when a mic is up in my face, I'm sure it sounds not good. Yeah. Have you ever... What do you... One, one, one time, I was teaching a class here, and uh, like the classes that I teach twice a year, I think it was the one I taught in August, and I was chewing gum, 
and somebody on the live stream texted me, stop chewing gum. <laughs> I forget who it was. Somebody did that. You were chewing gum? I was chewing gum while I was Dude, teaching. As a student and a teacher, that's an abomination. That's like... Well, I wasn't preaching. It was like, like I was, it wasn't a Sunday one. up there just smacking, you know... Yeah, but can you imagine getting up in your public speaking class in college to do your presentation and chewing gum? I mean, I mean, you may as well get, you'll get suspended. That's but ISS nobody worthy. in the audience in person cared. It was hearing it through the microphone on the live, like yeah. through your headphones or whatever. I, I, if, if you, like, I would love to just have some potato chips right now. Maybe some Cheetos. Oh, that's disgusting. You just give a little crunch into the At mic. Like and, then, the and, then, and then with the orange, uh, the orange dust all over your fingers, just kind of lick, lick, lick the tips of your fingers. Oh my gosh. No, all right. What do we got for today? You're a little sensitive well, to this. Like, you're, you're I don't so want to move out. right I know, from... I didn't know you were such, had such a sensitive I didn't wanna, constitution. I, didn't, I, didn't wanna, I don't want to move right from you <laughs> licking Cheeto dust off your hands to union with our sweet Lord. <laughs> Gosh. I mean, I don't know. why. Like, It seems like a little... Uh, are, you, are you kind of trying to draw this sacred-secular divide kind of thing? I like, mean, I just... <laughs> I don't like to have Cheetos and Christ in the same sentence. <laughs> I don't feel like. Do you feel like Jesus would like regular Cheetos or flaming hot Cheetos more? Is there any evidence from the text? <laughs> no, I think he was more of a bread and fishes kind of guy. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> wow. Yeah. You. What's the uh, the 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 fish fillet sandwich at McDonald's? That's, oh, fillet of fish. Fillet of fish. <laughs> Maybe the no. McRib. No. Oh. Where does that rank on ribs? Oof. Bottom. Have you ever had a McRib? Have you had a no. I have. No. But you know. I think I've mentioned this before. I think we've actually talked about it. How is it that you're grossed out by me licking Cheeto dust off my I did fingers, it one but time. you've eaten a McRib? I, did, I ate a McRib one time and it literally felt like I, I was like ashamed in the same way I would be like if I like was doing drugs or something. <laughs> yeah. It just felt slimy. Yeah. It, I felt like yeah. this is this is this is a ruin to my body. Yeah. Did you admit it to anybody? Did anybody see you? Oh, I, I I remember eating it alone. It was a, yeah. it was I was at a, I was at McDonald's yeah, you can't, alone. You can't do that like with. That was people. a low point. Yeah. yeah, we all have our low points. Yeah, we've all been McRibbed in our life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. we've all been McRibbed. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, that's it. There's a sermon series. Can we get a T-shirt made about that? What's the what's, what's I don't the punchline? Well, no, just last week I don't know I don't know. So last week we talked about uh, some show swag, and Adam came out with a couple new designs for T-shirts. So we're gonna have to select one and love yes. love the designs. Just yes. got to make a decision about it now. So thank you, Adam, for your mm-hmm. creative work. Yeah. The unnamed anonymous listener from RTS. Uh, we have not seen a, a a design from him yet. We so. have not. So when we have that design ready, maybe we can send it out to all of our listeners. Ooh, a little, little uh, poll, little Twitter poll. Yeah, we need to get an email list. Who's going to do email list? We, yeah, well, we need an email list. You want list. an email list? Well, how are we going to get this out well, to I the fans? Well, I don't know. 2006 called. They want their podcast back. Uh, like, what? What do you want? They're, uh, what are you going to DM them all on Twitter? I have no idea. But I feel, exactly. like it, I feel like an email list is a little, is a little outdated at this point for, podcast, for our podcast listeners. Everybody, you put yourself in an email list, and then they send you updates. An email list? Yeah. You want to get a MailChimp account? You don't even know how to operate a MailChimp account. I do know how. I, I have a, I have a, <laughs> you I, have a MailChimp? I have a mailing list for my, uh, for my own For your website. blog? Yeah. The, uh, go ahead and plug it. 
The AeroLife? No, I don't need to plug it. Is it theaerolife.com? What are we talking about? It is. It is theaerolife.com. The That's yeah. Caleb's blog if you don't know that. Yeah. It, about a post every six months at this point. <laughs> He's on a very yeah. uh, prolific pace. Very, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just cranking them out in the morning. <laughs> All right. Are we, are we clear now? Uh, have we, yeah, have, we, have we wandered far enough from Cheeto dust yeah, on the I fingers to talk think, about Union with feel, our sweet I feel Lord? less icky. All right. So we talked about Union with Christ last week. We talked about... <clears throat> Kind of a broad definition, kind of working it out theologically a little bit, trying not to separate Christ's person from his work, realizing if, you are, uh, if you've been united with Christ, then you receive all of his benefits, all of his blessings, and all that he commands and requires and, and, uh, and gives you, and uh, how that really should shape holistically how we see the Christian life. And we kind of looked at that, again, systematically um, in a way, and looked at some some ways not looking at it. If you're looking at that, if you separate Christ's person from his work, you run into some problems, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said this week, maybe we could look at or think through some more practicality on, okay, so what? So what? We, we believe we've been united with Christ. We believe that we receive all these things. We don't separate his person from his work. Um, and we see that as kind of the fundamental, the center of the Christian life. Uh, but is that just an abstract concept? Because it sounds like one. It's definitely it's definitely something to, you know, it's something. Uh, again, it's yeah, a doctrine, it's... right? It can it can. To me, sometimes when I hear people talk about union with Christ, it can seem far more ethereal. philosophical. Yeah, yeah uh, ethereal. It's yeah. like okay, how does where do we ground that? How does that concretely work out in our life? Yeah, so we want to move from the maybe philosophical idea of it to yeah. the to the actual practical outworking of it. Yes. Yes. Um, but before we do, I just want to kind of reinvigorate this, uh, but not with the same thing we said last week, but just w- last week I talked about what is the center of the gospel or, uh, or what is the center of the Christian life, and, and I said it was union with Christ. But I also talked about what, what is the center of the Apostle Paul's thought. When you think, if I could nail down Paul's thought into, last week we talked about it being in Christ as a phrase, but if I was thinking of a verse that... To me, uh, you can't do this perfectly, but tried to capture what Paul was all about when he talked about union with Christ. You want to um, you, you, you want to like count down three, two, one, and we both give like a reference. What if we're different? <laughs> I don't know. You see, we prepped well for this episode. <laughs> It'll be fun. We kind of—I I think we probably know. Just you ready? three, two, one. Galatians 2.20. Boom. There it is. All right. So we... Nailed it. The Spirit prepared both of us. Yes. Right? All right. So what Galatians 2, I have 19 through 20 just to give it, uh, make it a little more full. Um, and Paul writes, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ... It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I think that's the center of the Apostle Paul. I think yeah. that fuels everything he believes and thinks. 
right there. Yeah, I think, and, and you could probably take adjacent to that is places like Second Corinthians 5 where he talks about being a new creation in Christ. Yes. Right, which is same idea, mm-hmm. um, stated differently. But yeah, this idea that I no longer live, like he's, he's stating that as an objective fact uh, that is a past a past tense reality. A definite right? reality. I have been crucified with Christ. Yeah. I no longer live. Yeah. It's now Christ who lives in me. And not just my sin, me, myself. Mm-hmm. Right? So again, he's not separating things from the person. Right. We ourselves, as an identity, mm-hmm. have died and now have been risen with Christ. So uh, uh, a book that you and I have really been enjoying over the last uh, while is a book called Living in Union with Christ by a guy named Grant McCaskill. And he writes this about this verse, and I think it captures what Paul's trying to get across. He says, Paul represents the great exchange that lies at the heart of the gospel, where Jesus bears the affliction of our condition and we enjoy the glory of his. And this involves at at its most basic level an exchange not merely of status, but of identity. It is not simply that our guilt is transferred to Jesus and his righteousness to us, but that our status before God rests on a more fundamental exchange. What Jesus takes to the cross is who we are, our very selves with all their guilt. And what we enjoy in union with him is precisely who he is, his fullness with all its glory. The activity of the Spirit in sanctification, then, is intended not only to bring about a better version of ourselves, but to realize in us the personal moral identity of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So again, we're trying to beat this into ourselves and to our listeners, the idea that... (laughs) Maybe massage it in. I don't know. You want to beat it into people? Paul likes beating sometimes. <laughs> Paul likes beating stuff into people sometimes. Why not? <laughs> but this idea that it's not simply that you receive these things from Christ. Mm-hmm. It's that you actually, your person dies with Christ, and you are received into his person. Mm-hmm. It is a very personal thing. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, again, if you go to this, the passage that I referred to in Second Corinthians 5 about being a new creation in Christ where all things have passed, old things have passed away, behold, all things have, uh, or new things have come. And then he goes on to explain some of that in the ministry of reconciliation. He ends chapter 5 saying that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us yes. so that we might become in him the righteousness of God yes. in him, yes. right? So, so even Jesus, it's the to- like he became sin for yes. us, right? Yes. And so in our becoming, there's this, I think this is why Peter can use language like we can, we are partakers of the divine nature yeah. now, right? Like, mm-hmm. so that's Peter's language for kind of similar, yeah. the similar idea, yeah. I think. But, and he became, so he became sin and he is righteousness. Mm-hmm. So when, when we become the righteousness of God, mm-hmm. that is happening in the person of Christ because Christ right. is the righteousness of God himself. Yeah. Beautiful thought. So Paul's self-conception now is that is that um, his uh, is, is that his life is now um, the life of Jesus being lived through Paul yes so which is so in, uh, so important I, you're summarizing something that McCaskill wrote that I think is ju- just nails it on the head so one of the things in light of seeing ourselves as in Christ and Literally, we should say and believe with all our heart, it is Christ now who lives through me. Yeah. Right? It's not that we should think about our Christian life not as something where 
uh, we basically, Christ kind of sets us up, and then we start becoming better versions of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we kind of, okay, Christ set us up, so we kind of get better. Mm-hmm. Instead, we're just becoming more of who we actually are in Christ. Right. We're becoming more of Christ himself. So McCaskill mm-hmm. writes, when Paul thinks of his sanctification, he does not think he is becoming a better version of Paul. He is becoming Paul in Christ. Mm-hmm. Beautiful thought. Yeah. So what this means is that when the Christian lives in sin or in rebellion against God, um, they are not, there, there's a sort of traitorous nature to such a thing and it's traitorous against the new self, right? Like yes. they are, they are no longer like in, in sin and rebellion, walking in the flesh, language Paul uses elsewhere is, is walking in the flesh as opposed to walking in the spirit. When we walk in the flesh, we are living not in line with ourselves mm-hmm. or like that's not our true self. Our true self is in Christ. So we are being, we are betraying who we actually are. Yes. Right. We are living in unreality. If we are in Christ and we, it, it, when we are in Christ and we sin, we are living in an unreality. Yes. I would 100% agree. And I actually have something where we can go a little bit more detail on that. So, okay. I think we've kind of set it up. We've set up this idea of it's fundamentally about the, the question of identity. That's the, that's the fundamental question at the, at the bottom of the Christian life is, who are you? Mm-hmm. You're either in Christ, or we would say you're in Adam, which means you're in the flesh, you're, you're outside of Christ. You're inside right. Christ or outside of Christ, you're either living your life. Christ is either, li- he's either living through you, or you're living in the power of your own flesh. Mm-hmm. So it's a question about identity. Okay, but with that again, with that, with that idea, how does this, how do we take that and make it a little, more, a little bit more concrete in our own practical uh, lives, if that makes sense. So I, I have a few things on this. Um, I, there's a very helpful set of articles by Gavin Ortland that talks about identity in Christ and these sorts of things that I found very helpful with this conversation. So um, I'm drawing a lot from some of the things he says, and I quote him a few times here. Um, but if we're going to make this idea of finding identity in Christ practical, I think there's maybe five different things to think through. Whoa, five. Yeah, not long. Let's go. Yeah, right. not long five. This is, okay. this is short fives. All right. So, so finding your identity in the person of Christ, what does that mean? Well, I, I think first it means, and I'm, these aren't necessarily in any sort of order, um, but it means longing for heaven. Hmm. So Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. What that means is, finding our identity in Christ, it involves, uh, Ortland put it this way, a kind of spiritual geography. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a matter of remembering our true location and belonging and family and home. I think there's something to that. When I think most of us think that's heaven as this kind of far-off place 
or something kind of, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of dwell on that maybe when we're older, when, when we meet death, those sorts of things, and not seeing that our, that our portion, our identity, and the reason why we should long for it is not simply because it's just this kind of better off place in the sky, but it's because it's where he who is our life is. Mm-hmm. If you are in Christ, you long for where he is. Yeah, isn't, um, isn't it Ephesians 1 that talks about how in salvation as a, an act of, uh, in the past act of God saving us in conversion, yes. that God has presently seated us yeah. in the heavenly realms, I think is the Ephesians I would, I, I would language, say, right? on be, uh, yeah, on behalf of his ascension, in his ascension, right. he raises us with him. Yeah, because we are in Christ. Yes. So we are, there's already this sort of mysterious location of we are here, but we are there. Yeah, we are mystically in union with God in heaven mm-hmm. through Christ, which is, which I think kind of connects heaven more to us as not just a place, but it's where our person is. Mm-hmm. There's a piece of us there. Who we are is fully there. And I think and I think this is probably harder in modern day. I mean, when you read older writers, you well, see them back. dwelling on heaven in, in ways that I just, I can't even imagine doing. Yeah. Probably because the world just seemed a lot harder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so at the practical level, then, what does mm-hmm. that mean? Like... Because again, that that's there's a real danger there in being pretty ethereal and and maybe the whole mystical. I think thing we that don't dwell about. on heaven nearly enough in our modern right. context. Yeah, so it, there's I think a thought in our thought world. It's 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 daring to go there mm-hmm. and to even intentionally imagine and yes. Uh, to engage our imagination with the reality of heaven, the the the, the coming new creation and um, our coming uh, 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 restoration and renewal and um, yeah. the, the completion of our redemption and yeah. adoption as sons, right? So it's like, man, it's taking those ideas in the scriptures and actually allowing yourself to linger on that, to think yes. on that, to um, to engage you know, the, your different faculties with that. So I think there's an interior sort of way of engaging with that. Yeah. But... but one of Baby the barriers to this, though, is is not seeing yourself as a pilgrim. Hmm. I think a lot of us. Yeah, expand on that. Well, we a lot of us, we're so, we love this world. <laughs> yeah. We love our homes. We love where we like. Yeah. We don't see ourselves as pilgrims in a weary land. Yeah. As people who long for a heavenly city. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of comforts that were afforded at this point in our particular situation. Right. I mean, we live in the most comfortable place and comfortable era in human history. And so we are quite enamored with a world that is passing away. And um, rather than seeing ourselves, as you're saying, and as the biblical writers talk about as sojourners whose citizenship is not here but lies in heaven, mm-hmm. we see ourselves as citizens of the earth. And, and the, the, now, what we're not advocating for is that, you know, that whole old idea of let's be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly yeah. good, right? That's not, like, the, that's not to what me, anybody's I, after. To me, I can't think of a lot of people in my life who really need <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, we're not really in danger of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I, but I do think there's a sense in which as we, as we allow ourselves internally to lean into that, uh, to, to preoccupy ourselves at some mm-hmm. level with that, I do think there's a, a sense in which that is to trickle down into 
our everyday lives of going, hey, like this idea of living as if, right? Like yes. um, living now as if that coming reality has come because in Christ that has broken in to this world, though it has not, you know, fully has not filled the reality of this world as it will, but it has broken into this world. And that's Mm -hmm. what it partly means to, to um, live in the kingdom of God and to walk in the kingdom of God as God's right now citizens of heavens is, is that, is that we're a sort of colony of heaven as God's people located in this earth. I, I believe that the, the visible church is a picture of God's heaven. Right. And so that should make us long for the reality to, yeah. that the church points to. Yeah, which also raises a pretty high bar for us as brothers and sisters in Christ who have uh, committed to walking together, who are members of the same local church. What mm-hmm. it means is that we have every right to expect of one another, and the world around us has every right to expect of us that there should be a glimpse of and a taste of an experience of a heavenly reality when people join themselves to this church or, yes. or enter into the social environment yes. of this church. that So so we've got to have an elevated sense of like, man, there should be something sweet and mm-hmm. otherworldly and and transcendent about what happens when we share life together here. Yes. All right, let's next one. This one probably more practical than the one we just talked about. Okay. And it hits on what you were immediately jumping to, which is, I think, I think the most obvious um, or honestly, one of the most powerful practical applications of union with Christ. It's that sin, if you're in union with Christ, sin is, it's unnatural ultimately to you. Oh, man. And you're a foreigner to it at some That's level. That's crazy. That's a really interesting way of putting it. Yeah. Because that doesn't even feel right. It doesn't. Like it doesn't. I'm somebody who, like I love the gospel, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about, talking about, trying to help other people understand and grab hold of the gospel and something in me recoils at that like yes. i something in me rejects that actually yes it should be more stronger say that yes. again you said sin when if we are in union with christ sin is now unnatural, unnatural. to us at some level at the most fundamental level of who we are that's i don't i don't think that way i, I don't think that way and of course we have to wade into the, the fact that we still live in bodies in a sinful world. With There's a, still that sin remains that with rages. us. Yes, like it's the idea that Luther so beautifully captured we're both saint and sinner at the same time. Mm-hmm. But there's... That does not mean... But we've that been supernaturalized in Christ. That so doesn't there's mean there's like 50% of us that's a saint and 50% that's that a sinner. It's, it's at the root, at the core of who we are as a new creation at our in Christ. deepest person. At our deep, at the most fundamental part of who we are now. Sin is unnatural to That's, us. It's the outer layers that are still encroached with sin. Mm, that's... So I, just have that to, should, yeah, I just have to confess that's hard to even believe. It's hard to believe, but believing but it changes everything. I think it's so, scripturally right. So, yeah. so it, it starts to make us think, when we're sinning, we're actually going against the grain of who we are. Yes. Yeah. And I think that is fundamental. It's paradigm shifting for how you see your power over sin. Uh-huh. If you well, think sin is fundamentally who you are at the bottom level, and it's the gospel that's kind of on the outer layers trying to get deeper in, yeah. then you see it as, man, this kind of outside thing will eventually get me there. But if I say, no, there's something actually at the deepest level that is growing out, yeah. that's th- that the 
the gospel is the thing that's outgrowing and kind of running out the outer layers. It's just a much more powerful view of, of what sin is in our lives and its power that's been yeah, lost over us. That's something that I'm, I'm going to have to wrestle with that because I don't think that, not only do I not think that very readily or embrace that very readily, um, like everything in my now unnatural person reject like is like the unnatural part of me the Mm -hmm. the fleshly part of me is screaming going you can't accept that yeah right like that's that's too lofty a view of yourself yes right but it's Um, not a view of yourself uh, it's christ Christ. in you yeah sure (laughs) so but what i'm saying like i'm just admitting i'm just acknowledging like uh like and and here's the reality for for me yeah as i'm going i haven't emphasized that enough pastorally i i think probably too much of myself and I probably help unwittingly feed the people in our church and in my life. I probably feed that sense of themselves too, that the sinner in them is more um, natural than is as those who are in Christ than the, the, the supernaturalized yeah. part of them. Yeah. And I, I, so I just... We've I, died to sin. I've got to wrestle with that. We've died to about sin. About what that looks like now to, to walk with people, shepherd people, and teach yeah. people well on this point. Yeah. Uh, I, man, that's like, that's like earth shattering. So, so <laughs> you're, thinking, you're thinking through it and the application of it, maybe in your own life or people who've been walking with the Lord for a long time and like dealing with sin for a long time. One of the applications that I was thinking of with a lot of young people who maybe as as late teens or early 20s kind of come to the Lord mm-hmm. and their lifestyle starts to change drastically, mm-hmm. right? A lot of sin just starts being shed, right? In those, in those early... Yeah. And you know what I'm talking about. When sure. That, that early conversion and you start to see just this beautiful spiritual growth and you mm-hmm. see your desires start to change, but you see yourself in those same environments with those same people in the same situations that you were that were so natural to you to just sin in, mm-hmm. and you just get beat down with. Fundamentally, this is just who I am. Yeah. Really, yeah, I'm going through this spiritual kind of uptick. I've had this little revival, but I'll get back to who I am. Like, well, and part for, of that's the the enemy accusing us too when we yes. try to walk out of that, and him going, "You know who you really are." He's calling You're, us back. He's yeah. it's an identity issue. It's, yeah. it's an absolute identity issue. So my dad used to say. So we gave a shout out to Ginger earlier for her cheerleading. Uh, shout out to my dad. No, my dad said. My dad used to say that for the for the unbeliever, the issue between you and God is sin, and the separation that that creates mm-hmm. for the believer the issue between you and God is no longer sin. That's dealt with. That's done. Yeah. But the issue between you and God is love. Yeah. And it's just a matter of nurturing a love for God. It's no longer trying to overcome or like it. it that doesn't mean we don't repent of sin, mm-hmm. right? Like th- that certainly is still, but, but it changes the focus from like, you know, uh, 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 a sort of um, anxious, like, Sin is ruling me. Sin is separating me from God. Sin, like, no, you're joined to Christ now. Yeah. And and now it's about nurturing a love relationship with the living yeah. God. There's this unbelievable line in John Steinbeck's East of Eden, the novel, where he says, uh, now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. 
It's a very freeing idea <laughs> that in Christ, he's perfected all things. He's lived out our perfect yeah. obedience. And now that he's relieved the power of perfection, right. we have the freedom to be good. Yeah. Beautiful line. But so I, I here's practical application for our listeners. I think the most, one of the most powerful things you can, you can fight back with in the face of temptation, when you're faced with temptation of, of new sins or sins that you've dealt with your whole life, is to say in your spirit and out loud, this is not who I am anymore. Yeah. This is not who I am anymore. Yeah. It's absolutely fundamentally not who I am. That right. is a powerful declaration that the power of sin is no longer, it doesn't have power over you like it did, and it's also fundamentally not who you are anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking of a lot of guys. Let's have a conversation with some, someone about this this week. Think about an issue like pornography. I think there's a lot of guys, probably a lot of guys who are listening to this podcast, who maybe have, maybe they've, they've seen a lot of growth in this area. They've gotten better. Um, they, they go through ups and downs here. Mm-hmm. But most of them, if you were to tell them, you can actually never, ever see this again in your life. You can actually be so free that you never look at pornography again in your life for the, until the day you die. Mm-hmm. I think most of them would say, I, I just don't believe that. Maybe I can hold off for a month or two, but maybe, yeah. maybe a year. Yeah. But I know I'm probably going to look again at some point in my life. Yeah. I don't think most of us believe. Because of Christ. Because of your, that I because, can stop. I, I can never look at this again. Yeah. I, that can actually be a true fact about my life. Yeah, so we were, I was talking about this in our, uh, in a cohort that I'm in this week with some of the guys, and um, we were talking about how so often our fixation becomes whatever sin issue I feel like I'm struggling with. So maybe that's something like pornography, maybe it's anger, maybe it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, just sarcasm and condescension and, you know, to my wife, maybe it's being critical towards my children or just yeah. a complainer in general, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you feel convicted in the Lord. And so you, you're trying to not sin. Yeah. And what I have found personally, and then with walking with people mm-hmm. in all kinds of areas of sin is that the more you fixate on just trying not to sin in a particular way, you're probably going to keep falling into that sin. Yeah. The, the focus has to shift from going, Oh, I, I want to just not sin in this way as if, mm-hmm. as if, our real problem is like, man, if I could just, like, we would all be satisfied, I think, if we just stopped committing those sins that most, uh, th- th- that most seem to enslave us yeah. or ail us. That just make us feel horrible at ourselves. Right. And mm-hmm. so, but we're not thinking about necessarily as union with Christ. Never. Lived union with Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, and so, where, where I, where I w- it was encouraging, we were talking about this in this group, was like, the, the issue isn't try to stop this thing. The issue is... Give yourself to this thing. Yes. Like pursue Christ. Pursue discipleship. Pursue, like, don't think of it as, if you are if you struggle with complaining, you don't think of it as, oh, I just want to try to not complain today. No. Think of it as, I want to walk in gratitude. Yeah. And that's just a different mindset, yeah. right? I want to I want to honor God and acknowledge God. Yeah. Romans 1, acknowledge God and give thanks. Like, I want to do that in yeah. all things. Um, you know, I think it's another passage. I want to live out who I am in Christ. Yeah, give thanks in all circumstances, right? Like, I want to, I want to lean into that part of who mm-hmm. I am in Christ that acknowledges and and get, and has gratitude for, and you know, so forth. So, um, so we want to take it from the positive, just refrain from, 
a particular sin to the positive of I want to give myself to this reality that is true about me because of Jesus and my union with yes. him. Yes, yes. All right, we could go on with that one yeah. for a while. Next one, uh, finding our identity in Christ, finding union with Christ, it means being content with humility and weakness. So in 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, I think most of us, when we hear that statement, if we, if we hear people use that verse a lot of times, what do we think Paul is talking about? And if you're just going to rip it out of context, and how do we think of, about a lot of people using it? So, uh, for instance, there's... It's an excuse to just be your lowest <laughs> That's not where self, I was going. So, that... so that, where I was going is, so you think about an honoring night for a very well-known pastor. Okay. And they have, you know, let's say they had a big TV ministry or a, a tape ministry or a podcast, books, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. And you hear them, you hear I them. I feel like you're picking at my ambitions now. <laughs> yeah, you want a tape ministry. <laughs> James wants a tape ministry. Uh, we'll see if Grace to, you, Grace to You has any blank tapes they could send us. <laughs> but you so, you, so you see them being honored, which is fine. There's none, absolutely nothing wrong with that. But you'll hear a lot of times them say, all these accolades, but it was by the grace of God, I am what I am. Right, that putting on God's grace was so beautiful, great. We want that, but that is the the absolute opposite of what Paul is talking about when he when he says, "By the grace of God, I am what I am." He's not talking about his accomplishments. So when you when you read that verse, it says Paul speaks in verse nine. So that was verse ten. Verse nine of First Corinthians fifteen says, "I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle." Paul believes his inferiority to the other apostles is God's grace with him. To find the identity of Christ and, the, and to identify with God's grace is to find the low place. So when Paul says, "I am I, what I am by the grace of, I am what I am by the grace of Christ," basically, he's talking about his weakness. Hmm. That's the grace of God that's with him, not his accomplishments, mm-hmm. not his greatness. And I and I, that's just like paradigm shifting. Think about it. it's. He's identifying the grace of God to be in the person of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. with the lowness, the weakness, the inferiority of what he is. Mm. That's a harder one, I think, to, to stomach because it's saying, man, to be in the person of Christ is to identify with his low place and his incarnation. Mm. I think that's what Paul means there, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm just trying to think through, like, so what does it look like to see ourselves as this new creation and union with Christ, who now our natural self is actually to live alive to God, and our natural, our unnatural self is to live um, in sin, mm-hmm. and yet we have a view of ourselves that is one that embraces weakness. So, th- I mean, there's a lot of, um, and Christianity is laced with this, right, uh, there's a lot of paradoxical kind of things working yes. themselves out here. Um, but I mean, we, you know, what you're, in terms of what you're saying there, we say this all the time. Your generations is like the low place. Like, like that's, yeah. we have to stay in the low place. The place sacrificial of, place. Place of dependency, place yeah. of humility, place of need, yeah. place of weakness, place of um, honesty yeah. with each other before the yeah. Lord. Um, uh, a sense of who we, and again, not, a sense of who we are, ap- 
apart from Christ so that there is a aliveness to who we are in Christ. It's, it, it, it creates a real alive dependence on God. Yeah. So here's something I was just thinking of. I think a lot of us believe the low place, the sacrificial place, the humble place is something that's like this worldly. And once we get to heaven, for, for, you know, it's like we shed that, just like we shed the diseases in our yeah. body. But no. when I think about Christ in the book of Revelation, yes, he comes down on the white horse and he's a warrior and all that stuff. But even in heaven, he's pictured as a lamb. Mm-hmm. That is an eternal... A lamb slain before the foundations of the world. That, that idea of Christ being the sacrificial, humble, servant lamb is an, an eternal picture of who God is. Yeah, and, and another picture we could look at would be Adam and Eve in the garden, where yeah. in a pre-fall state, they were completely dependent upon God. Yes. Right? They weren't... Like, the place of uh, being in Christ means... A, a sort of dependency. Yes. Like that's inherent. Yeah. Um, it so again, that's natural to our eternal yeah. who we are now. Yeah, when we are in a perfected state, that makes us perfectly dependent, Yes. not independent. Yes. Yes. So to be fully human is to be willfully, totally dependent on God. Yes. Yes. Again, I think just think these are paradigm-shifting ways of thinking about who we truly are now in Christ, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Two more. Right. Did I say two more? You said five, and that was three. Oh, I meant four. Cool. Dude, it's always good news to let people it is. have one less. Yeah. They would love it if I would, like, preach on Sundays and be like, I got five points. You know what? Well, no, Never here's mind. what you're starting. I've got a 12-point sermon. Just kidding. Five. Yeah. And it's immediately... <laughs> You know, they, they feel yeah. better with them. Dude, I had a professor that did this to me in college. When I was in college, in one class, Sidebar. we all walked in. This is just too great. Like, <laughs> if I was a professor, I would totally do this. He, we came in, and he went over the syllabus with all of us, and the workload was outrageous. Like, the reading load, the, the test, the assignments, just outrageous. And we're all sitting around looking at each other like, this is GGC, bro. How do I drop? <laughs> like, like, like uh, we were just... And then he goes, I see all your faces. It's actually like a third of this. <laughs> now, it's still a lot, but now it makes, in your mind, immediately by me doing yeah, this, it makes yeah, you sure. think this is actually a really easy class. <laughs> he, said, you would, he, said, he said, if I would have just given you the one third that I'm giving you now. You complain about that. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> he just got us real That's good. That's funny. It was clever. Brilliant teaching clever. tactic. All right. Back to our topic. Yes. All right. Last, uh, the fourth one here. Fourth one. Fourth and final. Uh, union with Christ means not being enslaved to coveting. Hmm. So in 1 Corinthians 3, 21, Paul says, all things are yours. Okay, that's him saying that. But the question is, how do, how do, how do we as Christians possess all things? Well, in verse 23, he, he says that it is through our union with Christ. He says, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. So he says, all things are yours, and you are Christ's. And Christ is God's. When we are united to Christ, we possess all that Christ possesses. And Christ possesses all the Father possesses. Union with Christ, therefore, implies union to all the things of Christ. Okay. So we have this idea that in Christ, not outside of Christ, but in Christ, all things are ours. Blank check. All things are ours. 
Why are you laughing at that? I'm just, I just because of where that can go in our minds. Absolutely. Where can it? Where can it go in our minds? Uh, well, you just said blank checks. So yeah. That's where I went. <laughs> um, not the old Disney movie, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like the the a sort of name it and claim it. Um, I mean, there are reasons that there are whole strands of the church that have that have gotten on board with a kind of theology like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. right? A, yeah. a prosperity sort of gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And some of that is because of yeah. maybe a distortion of the notion of union with Christ. Yeah. So, I don't But know again, that would be taking, I think they're taking a lot of things outside of Christ and trying to shove them in mm-hmm. there. This says all things in Christ. Yeah. And all things that are in God. And so what that does for us, and if this idea that we know all things, whatever that means, <laughs> whatever it means... Right, it should give us the comfort and the assurance and the confidence not to be longing for things we don't have and the lives we don't live right now. Mm. So when we're famous, if we if we if we want to be famous, <laughs> right? When we're famous when we're because famous. of this podcast, when we're famous because of when you and I have yeah. reached that point. Sure, but let's say let's say you long to be famous. Would you rather be anonymous or, like, be C-list celebrity? What? <laughs> That's a terrible question. Well, like, you know, because there's, like, real celebrities and there's, like, sort of JV celebrities. Yeah. Who's a JV celebrity? I don't know. Like, I don't know. The guy who's maybe, like, a very sidebar character and like, everything that he's in. And I don't know. I just... I wouldn't want to be a, uh, uh, I would never want to be, I mean, I don't have a lot of aspirations towards celebrity, but <laughs> I would rather be like known by nobody than yeah. to be on like the, the mid tier list of celebrity. Okay, so James doesn't want to be a C-list celebrity. All right. God yeah. can cross it off his list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if you want to be famous, which sounds trivial, but how many of us dream about wanting status and wanting people to think we're popular? And maybe even wanting to be famous. I'll tell you, in the ministry world, this is the—I think this is the biggest, one of the biggest problems in evangelicalism—is a lot of people going into the ministry, particularly pastoral ministry. They want to—they want a platform. Yeah. They want a large Twitter following. They want to write books. They want to be on the speaking tour, conference circuit. Sure. They want to be on the podcast. The podcast. Like <laughs> they do. I mean, that's a—that re- yeah. is—that is a problem. I don't care. There is not a minister in America that probably doesn't deal with that at some level. To varying degrees, depending on what context you're in. Okay. But if you believe that your name is written in heaven, and that all things are in Christ, why would you need that? Yeah. That sounds so trivial, but it's so true. (laughs) Yeah, like how much more fame do you need if you are known personally to the creator of all things and the living God? Yeah. That he knows your name, and he smiles on you. Yeah. Like... Yeah. That's as high a status as you could possibly achieve. Yeah. So you're as famous as you'll ever need to be. Yeah. Right. Or if you want, if you want, to, if you want approval, and you feel like you you get to be on the bottom and get judged by everyone in all these situations, and feel just kind of as kind of a, how would I say it, restrained, mm-hmm. with no power. Remember, you're going to judge angels. The Bible says. Hmm. You're going to judge angels. You're going to sit with Christ and be a part of his judgment. Mm. Amazing thought. Amazing thought happening at Christ. Yeah. So, it, I mean, there's a lot of levels. I, I'm, what I'm trying to think through is, like, how 
these things because because we're still in the realm of a lot of what can feel ethereal, right, or elusive. Sure. So in the everyday flow of life, what is what's the best way to work this reality into into our actual preach the Bible to yourself and okay say that again preach the Bible to yourself okay I know we're talking about these things as we're saying they're ethereal and they're but this is what the Bible gives us it gives us eternal promises yeah heavenly promises so knowing the promises of God knowing who the Bible says you are because of Christ and here's I'll just be straight with you I think you do this by yourself you will not do it well and you will probably um you'll probably be very vulnerable to the accusations of the enemy, the doubts of your own, um, your own you know, sense of self, the, your, your own understanding of yourself will haunt you, um, your own failures, all that stuff. I, I think, so there is the preaching of the Bible to yourself. There's hiding the word in your heart. There's meditating on the yeah. word. There's you know, all the different ways that you can get scripture into your heart. But I got to tell you, I think we owe this to each other. Yeah. I think one of the best ways, like... I hear this better coming from you than I would hear it coming from my own thoughts. Yeah. So, but, like, but but we believe that not just because we think it's socially better to say it. In a, no. In a, we believe th- that the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ mm-hmm. works best by speaking one to another, building each other. We are called to gather together and build one another up and encourage each other right. by the power of the of the Holy Spirit. We believe this is a supernatural activity, yeah. not just a social trick. Yeah, so a, a good example of this would be Ephesians 4 when it talks about speaking the truth in love so that in all, so that in all things we are built up into him who is the head that is Christ. Mm-hmm. So he, he calls the Ephesian church to speak the truth and love to one another. What Paul's calling them to do is to tell them what's true about, for me to tell you what's true about you so that you're built up into Christ. Yeah, to really to tell, right? tell you what's true about us. Uh, right, So, but it's us doing that for each other. This is yeah. a social, relational, uh, communal reality where I need to hear the reminders from my brothers and sisters of who I really am because I keep forgetting. And yeah. you need to hear who you really are yeah. because you keep forgetting. Yeah. We need to hear from each other what is really ours. And so we have not just this, this uh, part, of, part of the shared life that we get to nurture together is that it's important for me to know the Bible and important for you to know the Bible so that you can remind me of what's mine in Christ when I forget. And that you can, like, that we have that ministry to one another, um, that, 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 that there's this constant exchange, reassurance of calling back to what is ultimately true so that when I come and, you know, and I meet with a group of guys and I'm struggling and I'm having a hard mm-hmm. time and I'm feeling uh, beat down by the world, I'm discouraged and, and feeling maybe a level of condemnation or a level of anger and resentment at something that's happening, they can help remind me of what's, they can speak the gospel to me and what's true about me because of my union with Christ or what's, what's true about my life because of union with Christ. Yeah. yeah. And I think one of the, one of the hard parts for people listening to this, especially who have been around Christianity a long time or know this language is a lot of us deceive ourselves into thinking that by merely knowing the Bible Mm-hmm. That that means we know it in a spiritually applicable way. Right. That we've actually tasted it. 
So, so I read this the other day, and it absolutely, it was a, it was just a, it was a, it was a, it was a shocking little story. Not, not in the fact that I thought it was new, but just man, this really captures where a lot of people are at. Mm-hmm. Um, in Tim Keller's book on preaching, when he talks about preaching to the heart, mm-hmm. and a lot of you are going to relate to this if you if you're listening to this, and I think, um, just, just listen to this. So he says, Tim Keller says, years ago in my first pastorate, I met with a teenage girl in our congregation. She was about 16 at the time, and she was discouraged and becoming depressed. I tried to encourage her, but there was a revelatory moment when she said, quote, Yes, I know Jesus loves me. He saved me. He's going to take me to heaven. But what good is it when no boy at school will even look at you? She said she knew all these truths about being a Christian, but they were no comfort to her. The attention or the lack of it of a cute boy at school was far more consoling, energizing, and foundational for her joy and self-worth than the love of Christ. Mm. Of course, this was a perfectly normal response for a teenage girl. Nevertheless, it was revealing of how our hearts works. So, And he's trying to to summarize something, but he said uh, she had the opinion that Jesus loved her, but she didn't really know it. Christ's love was an abstract concept while the love of these others was real to her heart. Mm. That was the reality that had captured her imagination. Yeah. I think, take out her phrase, a lot of us say, yeah, I know Christ loved me. Yeah, I know Christ died for me. Yeah, I know I'm supposedly in union with Christ. But what does it matter if my, my husband doesn't care about me or I can't even get a job or... Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm ugly mm-hmm. or I've just been dealt a bad ha- hand in life. I think a lot of us have that kind of disconnect. Mm-hmm. And what Keller, he's really trying to summarize Jonathan Edwards by saying, what you think you know, you don't really know. Yeah. So Edwards used to say, there's a difference between knowing that honey is sweet and actually tasting honey. Right. Yeah. And what he means by that is there's a difference between knowing God loves you and actually knowing God's love. Right. And this gets into that, you know, you can start to think, well, we're, we're in our heads on union with Christ as a theological concept, but no, real Christianity union with Christ is, has to be, it's experiential, mm-hmm. right? There's a, there's a component of it that is, that doesn't mean that it's, um, some kind of emotional hype, yeah. right? But there is something experiential about this. I think Ray Ortland uh, said something uh, that I heard, like, um, stare at the glory of God long enough until you see it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, And it's that kind of idea. It's like, if you don't feel that, sense that, live in um, the reality of the love of God, uh, as one example of this, then... Um, you can't keep going business as usual and just the right, like there are things that there, there is a way of meditating on, um, opening yourself up to and, and living in a uh, community with other people who are, who are, uh, helping to minister that love to you. Mm-hmm. Part of, part of the way, for instance, that we come into the love of Christ and experience of that is through the love of his people. Yeah. Right. So if you're living in isolation from people, it's not uncommon that you might not sense the love of Christ. Yeah. Um, because the 
other people who are in Christ reaching out to you with the love of Christ helps you come into real contact with it. Yeah. Um, in different ways. So, so be surrounding yourself with people who, you know, again, uh, reinforce mm-hmm. this, this larger reality is really important. And I think, and something that we're very honest about here is I, I don't think you can snap your fingers and intellectually say, yeah, I get it. Mm-mm. I believe the Holy Spirit has to breathe on us and, and create and make us come alive to this love in Christ. Yeah. And <clears throat> if you're asking yourself, okay, well, what do I do with that? Yeah. Right? I think the Bible over and over again, in light of that truth, says, come to me. Yeah. Repent. Have faith. Yeah. And, and that might just be for somebody today, just the going... Uh, you know, in the spirit of our age, I've tried to intellectualize Christianity mm-hmm. from start to finish. And God, there's something mysterious here. There's something beyond this world that's going on. And and I, I sort of, uh, I, I hold myself back from that even possibility. And so maybe you just need to confess, like, that that, that you've struggled to even open yourself yeah. up to that, and that you want you want God to make yeah. Himself real to you. Yeah. In a personal and powerful way, yeah, and, and, and that's category expanding for some of us. Yeah, and and just I think this is a good pastoral point: is if you're struggling with well, I just don't know if the, if the spirit is really working in me, or if, if I have what you're talking about, or the spirit's, you know, gonna make me come alive, or any any of that. If you are wrestling with that, if you are having these struggles, and and, and you have the desire for God's grace yeah. and for His work. Augustine used to say, "The desire for grace is the beginning of grace." Yeah. If you have, yeah. if that, if there, if there's a straw of that sort of struggle in you, yeah. the Holy Spirit's working. Yeah, in something life. in you is longing. That that's exactly right. That's evidence you of the Spirit working. You can have complete confidence that God is working in your life, and He's opening you up. Yeah. So take hold of that. Um, we are right at the end, and uh, this is a topic that I love so much. We could talk about for. Ever. Um, I actually have some more stuff related around how to think through union with Christ, maybe some more stuff on uh, law and lawlessness that we can get in in the next couple weeks. Um, Cheetos and chips, things of that no nature. No Cheetos and chips. <laughs> Cheetos is the unforgivable sin. <laughs> oh man, y'all have a good week. Yeah, yeah, stay away from the Cheetos.